Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I am Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And Father Shane, we haven't recorded for a long time. Not separated like this. Uh, we had a chance to record together you know, four times in a row down at the C Conference in St. Louis, but it's good to be back with you electronically, seeing you virtually as we That's record right. this. I kind of forgot how this worked, but this, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to say it. And then everything's going to fall apart. No, we don't believe in superstition. <laughs> this is the smoothest attempt at this type of recording that we've had so far. Yeah. Some of our other recordings, it takes 30 minutes just to get the microphone well, connections I think the first, going. The first helpful thing, Father Shane, was that one Father Crotty was actually on time, which was a helpful change, True. I think. You know? True. You were um, punctual today. Punctual, growing. You know, I still get to use the baby priest card to get out of some of these situations. But hey... Here I am, trying my yeah. Those, trying my those darn days are <laughs> those days are numbered, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They those are. Those days are numbered. Yep. Yes. Always. You know, baby priest days are numbered. You know, expectations. Keep <laughs> I feel growing. like yeah. The you you get need a baby priest. piece, uh, a baby priest card that gets punches every time you like can just like pull it out and say, but you only get so many punches on it, you know, and then it's just yeah expired. Then yeah. you get a free coffee. <laughs> Father Shane, how's it going? Good, Father Travis. Yeah. We are recording this in the early days of February, and I have some big news to announce to you. Oh, man. The big news is this, that just days ago on this podcast, we surpassed 100,000 downloads Whoa. on Outcast Catholic. Wow. I'm just going to randomly hit the thing I think is To be applause. honest with you. Nope, that's the wrong one. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's what everybody who has major national podcasts are thinking <laughs> right now as they laugh. They're still laughing. There they are. They're still laughing. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, cool. To be honest with you, yeah, is it an accomplishment to try and reach people through this effort of evangelization? Yes, but we also don't know. That's 100,000 downloads that I'm assuming is fairly automatic for people who subscribe to the podcast. Whether or not there's been actually 100,000 episodes that have been fully listened to, whole other story <laughs> that we'll probably never know. But a special but thanks. If we're, trying to, if we're trying to reach people in our diocese or anywhere else, you know, hopefully there's some fruit being born. It is good. Yeah, and I continue to hear about different people who listen to it that I'm, again, surprised by, mm-hmm. excited by. But I think it is. I think it is um, hopefully establishing some sense of not necessarily community, but connectedness, right, to those who feel outcast. That was kind of the first people that came to mind during those COVID days of really strong, faithful Catholics who feel outcast from kind of the larger church or even the diocese. And I hope that there's been, this has been some sense of um, encouragement, you know, to, yeah. to keep going. Uh, and then yeah. for all those who have, you know, tuned in, who might be in a place of questioning um, their faith, questioning kind of the tradition they were raised with, whatever that might be, I'm, we're grateful that you're here too, that you tune in as well. Grateful yeah. that people keep passing us around too. Yeah, you and I started this with no grandiose plans. We thought if we could make a contribution to a few people in the diocese, keep a conversation going. And it's also fruitful for us just to chew on these topics and discuss them together. I think it enhances our, our priestly insights and our ability to address evangelization questions. If it's bearing some fruit on some level, praise God. So it's good to be back with you. And um, Likewise. What's on your mind today? What well, you, you know, got? I was just thinking this because I'm in the office here at the Central Catholic offices in Sioux City and 
I think I had a breakthrough realization. One, thankfully, it's not like a million degrees in here. So it That's was so hot. In the, I know. It was so hot in the summer, and the air conditioning didn't work at all. And it also, it's like this, I think it was a cobbled together office. You know, at a one point, it wasn't an office. Then it's like put some more walls up or whatever. So I assumed to be just as the opposite. It'd be really cold during the winter, but it is like turbo heated in this room. Mm, I you think could I grow bananas in there, I, huh? Seriously. Uh, like the Mount of Beatitudes, they grow bananas there randomly. Okay. Um, I think there are two input uh, vents in this office because I think it used to be two offices and one came from one side of the building, one came from the other. And I think my sauna office ended up with double uh, the heat. But thankfully okay. today, because we're in a nice kind of little, little warm spell in Siouxland area, um, doing okay. So I just needed everybody to know that, uh, which is good. I'm sure our listeners are comforted <laughs> the fact that your heating levels are that's why, much more right now. Listen, that's why we got all those downloads. That's right. Speaking of those who feel outcast, okay, a special shout out, you know who you are. I'm not going to use any names, but had a couple conversations recently with a young person who is finding themselves has found themselves for a little while feeling outcast from the church itself, yes, the practice of the faith, yes, but mostly um, belief in some of these kind of fundamental things that we brought up here on the podcast, Father Shane. And it was funny. uh, She was one of the first people who I got to tell me face-to-face, like, I wish your podcast were longer. You guys say these kind of provocative things. You bring up these important topics, but then they're only 20 minutes and you don't actually flesh them out. Like, you don't actually really, like, you know, take them to the kind of their, their conclusion. So that's good to know. It's good to know somebody's enjoying what we're speaking about. While we spoke about a lot of things the last few days, um, chatting about these different questions that have been, you know, on this young person's mind for a, a number of years now through high school, it became clear that the biggest question of all was sort of <laughs> questioning itself hmm. and maybe how th- certain things that are taught within the faith, in the context of Catholic schools or faith formation program at a parish, in, in homes, in, you know, in the home of the family, or just maybe even culturally, certain things are expected, certain things are kind of anticipated, certain things are just kind of passed on maybe by osmosis through Catholic culture, going to Mass, receiving the sacraments, you know, seasonally, regularly, whatever it might look like. But that certain things, certain aspects of the faith, maybe even fundamental aspects of the faith, like basic elements of catechesis or scripture or liturgy, these things are kind of done, but not always explained. The why isn't always given. And it's like a kind of a question is just left hanging there of, I know I do these things. I know I genuflect. I know I go to this thing called mass. I know the different rituals to do. I know how to sit, stand and kneel, but the why maybe hasn't always been provided. And then this young person was offering her own experience that, when questioning does come up, especially in adolescence through middle school and into early high school, in the context of kind of the institutional church in a Catholic high school, in the context of a parish, in the context of a faith formation program, it doesn't always seem like there's somewhere to take those questions, right? This person even said that, you know, when they were brought to um, kind of a, a teacher of the faith, that the response was, careful which questions you ask, because, you know, that, that might go down the road of atheism. You don't want to go down, you just need to kind of have faith um, and kind of calm those questions down. And I've said before, and I think I've said it on our show here, Father Shane, that the worst thing you can do is stop questioning, right? One of the best things you can do, it's like doubt isn't bad, right? A dubia is just a question. 
but it's a question that can be answered, right? Mm-hmm. I think what I've been so uh, proud of in this young person is seeing that while there are big questions, there's an openness to say that I think these questions actually can be engaged and there can be an answer and that I'm going to go to somebody who I can see as an authority who I know is also asking big questions and they can help me kind of stay in front of and stand in front of these questions rather than taking the route of a lot of young people, people who leave the church or people who kind of abandon the faith, just says, okay, I am in a state of doubt and I'm just going to stay in that state of doubt instead of allowing that doubt, that questioning to be something that's active in pursuit, right? So the special shout out is to that individual because she started listening to the podcast here and has been engaging some of the topics that we have in more conversations with me, which has been delightful. But I'm hoping that kind of that whole process of questioning, that whole process of doubting, the whole process of seeking kind of that which is true. Maybe I could hear your thoughts on that, Father Shane. Yeah, I've got several comments. I think there's, I think there are places that um, the truth can be sought after and, and can be provided. I don't know that I would agree with all of the premises of uh, how your interlocutor, how woman, your interlocutor, how this woman was talking about um, maybe her past experiences. And let me just explain a few things. Certainly, we know that there are some people who just haven't been fed, and maybe their catechesis wasn't very strong. And they grew up and they became adults and they just realized, you know, I just didn't get a whole lot. I'm missing a lot of pieces to the puzzle. Okay, fair enough. I think there's a lot of people that perhaps like this woman, you know, that you're you're referencing here. uh, I'm not, I don't know her whole background. You know, I'm here in St. Louis and we're just talking about this on the fly. I think there's a lot of people, though, who um, have received a lot and they perhaps just don't remember at all. Sure. You know, I, I doubt our, our second grade, you know, teachers who gave us catechism lessons on First Communion and First Reconciliation, I'm sure they told us why we genuflect, right? I'm sure they told us, you know, things that were appropriate behind the whys and not to, just... To some, a second grader. That's exactly right. To a second grader. And that's that's my next point. Mm-hmm. Um, we have constantly been receiving, probably at the age group or age level, the learning level that our catechese catechesis instructors, our catechists thought was appropriate for us, okay? And if she is turning a point in her life as a young adult now saying, I'm hungry for more, I want to go deeper, I'm yearning for a a stronger foundation, well, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything she's received in the past was bad or somewhat inadequate. It just means that um, she has a thirst for more. And, And in that, the questions start arising. And as you point out, you know, a classic dubia is just simply a question. So to have questions arise and to be seeking answers and, and to, to have a place where those questions can be welcomed and nurtured, that's great. And I think we have to do that on many, many levels. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's just in general, I think we want to be careful. And I'm not hearing you say this, but I just I say this in general within church culture there can be a dismissiveness to say, well, everything that I received in the past was terrible and that no one no one ever addressed my questions and nobody ever helped me with my confusion and my doubts and it's all so terrible. Well, no, maybe your catechist at second grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, 12th grade, even into young adult years, maybe they were meeting you on where you're at and now you're just at a place that you're deeper and, uh, and more hungry for something else. Sure. Right? Y- so yeah. just in general, in terms of the education experience and the pedagogy of catechism, I think that just has to be you know kept in mind. And I think if you've ever taught in a catechism class in a parish 
a faith formation program, if you've ever taught in a school, you know that sometimes you're up there and you're just preaching the truth. Yep. <laughs> and that some of your audience is with you and some of them are checked out. Right. And and that happens in life. Maybe this person's grieving. Maybe this person's experienced some trauma in their life and their mind is a little distracted. Maybe someone just didn't get any sleep last night and they missed the whole lesson. All right. Feel that? Yeah. <laughs> And so you you know as a teacher of the faith, you know as a proclaimer of the truth that there's days that some people are just picking up more than others. And that's just part of the, the circumstances of life. But that doesn't mean that seeds weren't being planted. And for this young woman that you were speaking to, I wonder how many seeds were planted long ago and started to germinate and started to take root. And she didn't even realize that there was growth happening. And that that growth is actually now starting to bear fruit in the thirst and the hunger that's within her. Mm-hmm. And she's seeking to go deeper. She's seeking to fill out the entire uh, the puzzle for anything that might seem lacking in her faith knowledge mm. or her catechetical development. Um, but also, not only just filling filling out the puzzle pieces to say, I have kind of the catechesis development all mastered now. Maybe she's even trying to go even deeper than that. And this is just one small step of something that's going to take her really, really deep. Who knows? Maybe she gets advanced degrees in theology someday because this hunger just keeps developing. Uh, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's not a static you know, um, growth here. There, there's going to be a, a dynamic deepening in her heart and hopefully in the hearts of all believers that keep that going. Yeah. So those are oh, just some please. initial thoughts, but we can come back to where do you take these questions? Exactly. No, thank you for that. And I think that's a helpful pushback. And you know, this young woman, she was pushing back kind of on, I think, what you and I have leaned into a few different times and what I was explaining in our conversation a couple days ago you know, we haven't actually coined it as like cultural Marxism, um, but I was giving a recent presentation uh, on gender theory, and I was speaking to a friend who's done some studies on this kind of stuff, and he talked about um, the effect, the continuing effects of cultural Marxism that would say, <clears throat> because there's always this situation of kind of oppressor and oppressed, just like economic Marxism, right, there needs to be this overthrow of kind of the, the class, right? Well, what I think I see and you see in your experience of working with young people is that's where some of that rejection of tradition comes from through kind of this cultural Marxism that says, I'm going to reject it just because it is tradition. Like, Mm -hmm. just because it has come from this older generation who doesn't understand me and who might feel kind of like they're just oppressing me with their thoughts, right? Like, we had an episode in the past called Shove It Down My Throat, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the fact that you are giving me this thing that I'm not choosing it freely for myself or that it feels like it's imposed on me, that in itself needs to be rejected because I can't have this imposition. I'm not free if I'm not just kind of like overthrowing the system, right? I was breaking that down and I really appreciated her mature response. And she said, that that might be the case for some. She said, I don't feel like that's the case for so many young people who do kind of step away from an active practice of the faith or have these doubts. She said, so often it, it's accompanied by that stepping away is by kind of like the negative fruit that's kind of experienced. And I think this, this question of questioning the faith is maybe one of those negative experiences she had. But Father Shane, as you were sharing, it just reminded me of a good friend of mine, Father Michael Trummer from Springfield, Illinois. And when he recounts his own continuing conversion, but especially kind of the big conversion that came in his life in college... He was studying chemistry in a kind of more of like a a regional university in Illinois. What he realized was that he had continued to grow in his capacity through his kind of intellectual maturity in understanding the, you know, 
STEM classes, right? Especially for him, science was such a big thing. And he was growing in his capacity where he could go and study chemistry, right? He, he loved kind of being able to break things apart and he was excited to do something with that degree. But when he started kind of like really questioning his faith, you know, he went to public high school, had the kind of classic CCD experience, right? A catechist kind of teaching me these things. I think probably he could have made the same accusation of, well, they just didn't teach me anything, right? They didn't teach us anything. And I've heard that from so many different people. But well, he recognized, okay, I, I went through, you know, catechesis class. And when my kind of engagement stopped was when I was about 11 or 12. Like that's when I stopped kind of caring. So he said, here I am as a 21, 22-year-old young man in college. And I have a 22-year-old knowledge of chemistry. And when I compare that to my like 11 or 12-year-old kind of engaged knowledge, that which has been received in, with attentiveness, when I compare those two, they're super lopsided. So he was really struggling with questions of faith and reason and how does science and faith kind of work together and stuff. And he was saying, well, that doesn't make sense. But as he started digging into some C.S. Lewis and reading Mere Christianity and some things like this that kind of sparked his interest, he recognized, wait, my knowledge of the faith, my knowledge of the scriptures, my knowledge of revelation is, is low because my attentiveness kind of dropped off at this time. So the more he kind of like filled up what was lacking in his own kind of personal study, he started to recognize, oh, wait, wait, the issue is not with the content or the faith or what was taught to me. The issue was, was with my attentiveness and my openness toward what was being presented. So I, I do think that's helpful. Um, maybe in a little bit of a response and a little bit of a devil's advocate to what you said, Father Shane. I mean, yeah, we never want to denigrate those people who have like, who are sacrificing their time as theology teachers in high schools, right? They could be paid so much more to be taught teaching literally anything else in any other school. Um right. And the teaching, catechism teachers and parishes. Exactly, who are just volunteering their time and getting paid nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Some who've done it for 30, 40 years, right? Who've just, mm-hmm. and who've kind of, um, who've weathered the storm of culture and who've continually proclaimed the name of Jesus sort of just into the void, it seems sometimes, um, or over a sea of kind of, you know, blank stares and apathetic faces as we've experienced in our own ministry, you know, to young people. That's so, that is so good. Um, but I do think, and this is kind of the challenge, I just think, for like the faithful laity who listen to this podcast, right? It is not a problem. It's not a bad thing for young people to question what is, what is being proposed to them, right? Now, do young people do it with maturity? Absolutely not. They're young people, right? They don't know how to right, kind of like appropriately question things and push back. And that's why for this young woman that I've been talking to, what's exciting to see is, oh, as your maturity has increased, as you've grown in your capacity to know, to understand, to seek this understanding, to like seek it out, to have this kind of openness toward intellectual growth. Well, yeah, of course now you're seeking in a different way. You're not questioning in the way that you did in the past, right? And mm-hmm. when you were a freshman, you were an eighth grader and were asked, starting to ask these questions, you didn't have the same level of maturity that could actually seek out the answer, right? Right. But I think sometimes people still find themselves, and I've said this so many times on this podcast, right, for like the faithful lay families out there. It's like you can dig into and explain our faith. Mm-hmm. It's possible, right? I just, so, so many folks feel a lack of, uh, a lack of capacity to really like teach anything, right? Or, or to, to, to explain right. things, you know, we have so many resources out there. So thoughts, Father Shane? Yeah. So going back to what you said about Father Tremor from Springfield, you know, he was studying chemistry in college, but of course 
he was preparing to get a degree so he could get a job that was going to pay him a, a ton of money, right? So that automatically drives a sense of attentiveness as to why he should go to class, yeah. why he should pass his exams, you know, mm. and take chemistry seriously. Now, of course, anyone who gets into chemistry and, and the other STEM, you know, uh, programs, there's a there's an initial fascination. You know, I want to know how chemicals work and interact. I want to know how physics and mechanics and you know all these things you know pan out. In you're watching it. You watch you watch a, an experiment or you watch a reaction right in front of you. Something blows up. That's pretty exciting, right? Uh, so there's something very practical, very useful, usually very immediate when you enter into the sciences. And that can kind of create a, a spark of curiosity to say, how does this work? How do I use it? How do I improve it? Right? That's a little different when we think about um, the invisible realm of, of heaven, hell, purgatory, you know, final judgment, all the, all the last things. We can't see angels. We don't have visions of the Trinity every moment of our lives. So the initial interest for middle school students, for high school students, for young adults, even older adults, the interest isn't going to be as practical as immediate, um, but the as I trust Father Tremor was was finding out, his capacity to go deeper, his capacity to to form all the little the matrices that kind of start to build this whole truth structure by how he can understand uh, the world in its foundations, how he understands salvation, how he understands what we're all ultimately called and, and destined toward. All of that, you know, he probably had the, the mental capacity to understand. Once there was an interest, once he realized I have resources at my fingertips and I see kind of the impact of this. Personally, I, you know, I've always found religion to be highly, highly practical, mm. you know, far more practical than physics and chemists. Um, you know, it's so practical that your your whole life, you know, should be staked on this. <laughs> And your eternal salvation is riding on the truths of your faith and the realities of religion, of what it means to actually worship God, to be in union with him, and to receive the gift of redemption. Uh, I find that to be highly practical and highly useful. Call me crazy, right? Uh, and then just to follow up with some of the last points you said, yes, there are plenty of people out there who can answer things. There are plenty of people out there who have the skills and who have the knowledge, just their own osmosis, that they have received the faith, the absorption, that they have received the catechism, uh, and the holiness that they have lived, and that grace itself has been forming their minds and hearts and transforming them from the inside to be a living witness of the faith. Um, what would what would it look like if everybody who's struggling with their faith, maybe anyone who's on the fringes, anyone feeling outcast, what would it look like if they just took that bold step to identify a friend, a mentor, a pastor, a religious, a deacon, a, a teacher, to just say, hey, can we just go get coffee? Yeah. Could I take 20 to 30 minutes of your time and just ask you a few religious questions? Now, the, the interlocutor that you're speaking to, this young woman that you're speaking to, she's obviously taken that bold step. Exactly. She's coming right. to see you, and she's engaging. And the more that she's being fed, the more that the synapses and the, and the thoughts and the considerations are firing in her brain, and she's... She's kind of uh, venturing out into more and more deeper territory, which is great because, you know, the truths of our faith and the mystery of God is like a mine that can never be fully exhausted. You can keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper into all these wonderful areas of truth and see how they're all interconnected. Um, but those resources are out there. And so for someone who really is struggling to just say, hey, are you, are you interested enough? Are you hungry enough 
to just simply ask someone for a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Could we go on a walk together? Do you want to grab dinner sometime? I've just got some questions, and you seem to kind of know a few more things. And if not, could we parse it out together? Could we chew on it together and toss it back and forth? And once we've done that, maybe let's go find someone else who might have a little more expertise. I, You and I enjoy te- uh, teaching. You and I mm-hmm. enjoy kind of the public engagement of the faith. But I think that's true for most priests. I think pastors would love to receive a phone call from their parishioners uh, or even someone just in the neighborhood to say, hey, I don't really practice the faith, but I, could I come in and just ask you a few questions or just do this over the phone if you're feeling a little intimidated? Maybe even send an email. Sometimes a little, it's a little difficult, but you're, if you're really feeling that intimidated and you're not quite ready for the personal conversation, just to get a starting point going, I think priests would welcome that every day of the week. Yeah, and then it would influence their preaching, too, to the point of they actually know what the, the people are questioning, what they're asking. Right. Well, you know, it's funny, Father, a uh, young woman who was asking these questions had complained, like I said, about our podcast being too short. Well, we just gave a bonus five minutes here because we're kind of excited and revved up about the <laughs> topic at hand. But yeah, thank yeah. you, Father Shane, for your uh, for your responses and your thoughts. And um, doubting is not bad. Questioning the faith is not wrong. Um, so let's keep questioning, but let's keep seeking the truth where we can find it. So thanks, everybody. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.